This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to The Love Strangers, a Swindon Town fan podcast with me, Rich Pullen, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! Seriously, the flick, Stroud... What a good shot! There's only one way you can get fit is to run, and uh, most days we go out here and we run to start with, and then uh, then we play with the ball. Far post for Shearer, goal! Yes! Wonderful goal all the way from the moment that Hazard picked him up. Oh no, that's Steve White. They're tearing into pieces now. Kelly is only a couple of yards away. Digby manages to push it one-handed onto the bar. Crosses to the left and right-hand side. Here's McLaughlin. McLaughlin to try a shot. It's off Gary Bennett, and that is the opening goal. Well, that's really fired up the home crowd now, and Swindon buzzing here. And Vickers, again, rather uncertain with that cross, and the shot almost comes to Mitchell. It's another goal. Incredible. Two goals. Swindon picked up by Ling. They've got four players forward here. Swindon Ling going all over the moment and turns it to Monker. It's a goal. Swindon have scored. Well played. Hobble. Monker plays it back in again. And no offside. And Taylor has scored. And that surely means it's the Premier League for Swindon Town now. The top. Turn is bad. Oh, what a goal! A fantastic goal by Jan Piotr. Park in! 1 0 Swindon Town. Thoroughly deserved opening goal. Terrific
I'd ask Matthew what that meant, but I don't think you know the answer, unfortunately. <laughs> He's not here, so I could be dead hard and that. So, my first guest this evening, he is one of our own. He is the 2001 Swindon Town Player of the Year. Spoiler alert for your, for your quiz. A man who has literally bust a nut for Swindon Town. <laughs> Please welcome Steve Milnhall. My second guest this evening played at the highest level in Ireland, England, and Scotland, but. He has three caps for the Republic of Ireland. He played over 150 times for Reading, but we have forgiven him for now. Please welcome, No Hunt! or not is the founder of Wellensburg. Mr. Richard Wellens! And now I run away over here because there really is no other place for me. So first on behalf of the supporters club and myself, thank you very much for being here today before match day. I don't know if you guys know, but tomorrow marks the first anniversary of these three being a coaching team at Swindon Town. So it's one year tomorrow. They made it. <laughs> Unless something goes really wrong this evening. <laughs> we'll talk about the current season a few times tonight, but we're not going to go majorly in, in depth because my podcast is mostly about nostalgia and looking at the past and things like that. But thinking back to what happened at the end at Cheltenham, in your playing careers, what was the best and worst last gas moments you experienced as players? So right at the death, something good and something bad. Richie, you're holding the mic so you can go first. I can't really remember anything in the last minute. I was involved in a penalty shootout when I played for Leicester, who's, who's the second leg at Cardiff, and, and our striker, called Jan Kermigan, decided to chip it down the middle. And he chipped it, and it didn't really reach the net. So by the time the goalkeeper actually dived, he was able to get back up and catch it. So when he was going for the Premier League, and, he, and that happened, that was probably the most disappointing. I was not part of the matchday squad, but I was with the travelling squad when United won the Champions League final in 99. 
So we took 30 players. I was one of the 11 players that was obviously travelled but not involved. Um, and to score two goals in the last two or three minutes, I don't think, especially in the Champions League final, I don't think that'll ever be. Mm-hmm. That's pretty braggy. <laughs> That's pretty good. Well, you can ask me for something. Yeah, yeah. I got it. And I got it. No, you said. Go on. I know it's, it's strange, I suppose this side of it is different. I think that's probably the most animated I've been um, on Saturday when we scored. So obviously, you know the story about we haven't won there and stuff. So I think I was on someone's back at one point and then I was on the floor and then so <laughs> it was a bit, you know, I, I think we ended up just laughing because we knew that it was just a, a horrible ricochet of events and for them to have one shot, one goal really. So um, as a player, I've scored a couple of last minute winners. But, Nothing to that extent, I think, on Saturday we were, we were just all buzzing with the boys. Kept playing the way they played, didn't come away from the plan, and, and they got the reward, and unfortunately we just couldn't hold on to it. Um, no shout me when I say their name, but um, Bristol Rovers, four or five years back. Was, well, I know, I know. I had to go. I tried to get them relegated, <laughs> <laughs> A couple of years back, we, we literally, Lee Brown, who's at Portsmouth now, we, we scored in the last four seconds at the moment to beat Accrington to promotion to League One. So, by far, that was the most craziest thing I've been involved in in, in last minutes because we did the woodwork post everything and we thought it was going to be one of those days where it was going to finish 1 1 and we all were going to go to the playoffs. And then he popped up, left back, popped up in the six yard box, God knows what he was doing. And uh, shanked it in, and we got promoted four seconds later. So it was, that was the best one. Who's better, Swindon or Bristol Rovers? Swindon. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have like collectively about seventeen hundred appearances between you. If you include Tommy Wright, there's over two thousand. But my question is, <laughs> my question is, do you ever remember playing against each other? <laughs> We never really dropped to Steve's level, so... <laughs> well, that's no, when you're bang wrong, and you I'm know it. I'm every job. <laughs> to be fair, when we was on the pitch, Steve was on the bench. <laughs> you don't do a podcast without doing very nerdy things. You played against each other that Steve versus Richie six times. How do you think it went? By the look on your face, it didn't go well for me, did it? <laughs> well, considering you didn't, you didn't play his level... He got sent played, off once. He got sent off once. I yes. That. I didn't think you played those Steve, did you? Yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> died. We'll get to that. I, I got five two weeks wages and I tried to find him at the end of the game, but couldn't find him. I mean, he could be here right now and we wouldn't be able to find him. Very, very small man. <laughs> Do you know what your record against Noel was? There were four games. I remember we got beaten away. One game, last year, yeah. 3-1. And Noel scored in one of those as well. Matt, Matt Bills helped you to win it. I don't think this went well for me. Even no, it did not. It was 1-0, <laughs> lost four. Good to have you here, though, Richie. <laughs> On the point of that, Sending off. 
It's something when we last we spoke in the summer, and I could see how dejected you were about it. Still to this day, something like 2005. I don't think dejected was a word. It's more angry. I had to cut several words out of the, uh, the podcast. I don't censor that hard, but man, you know thing. But I thought about it a lot. So we've got like over 100 people here. We're going to roll the clip now. So if we can just go for when in red, please. Is this that tall visual? Yeah, it is. Here we go. So, lovely kit. There he is. Disgusting. Disgusting. Disgusting there. That's not a red card, is it? Let's have a look. Well, it was actually not a red card. It was a second bookable offence. Is that a second bookable? Yeah, well, we're going to put it to the audience. There's... Look at this. Here we go. I think I just read where he's going. Put me out across... Vicious. Vicious. Can we just take a moment to appreciate the fury on Steve McMahon there? Wow. Livid. So what do we think? Yellow card, red card, or no booking at all? So hands up, you think that's not a booking? Ah, oh, kiss. You kiss ass. Oh, sign that you're doing a good job. Who thinks it's a yellow? You're off. You're right. And who thinks that is GBH? <laughs> Remember I said they might not make it through this evening, so I'm a nice guy. Let's, let's show the clip of Richie scoring against Swindon. Let's go with that one. Richie, what, what's Steve McMahon like? <laughs> With me, he was okay, but with a lot of players, he was very old school. He used to join, join, train every single day. He, was still, he could still play, but he was so over aggressive. Back in them days, you could get away with it. Um, a lot of the things he done was verging on. If he was a manager now, he wouldn't last two minutes. You have to get the balance right. But I always got on well with him. Um, I'm surprised he's not. He didn't, have a longer manager career because he was actually quite successful but I think his mannerisms now you see him on Sky he's just an angry angry man all the time <laughs> if you could pass the mic to Steve same question personally I can only say good things of him he was the man that gave me a pro contract as a young kid so I gave him my chance um, and he let me off a fine a week wages fine when we went to Helsinki and I uh, ended up getting was it the winter? Oh, of no, we had pre-season in Helsinki and uh, I got led astray by a few senior players and he, he gave me a death stare and then when we got off the plane and said, I'm not going to find you a week, just give me 100 quid, so he let me off that as well. <laughs> so he, he gave me a pro and then let me off the plane. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the time, wasn't it? We're going to need to know who those senior players are. I can't remember now, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Richie, because what I love doing in the podcast is I love talking about random footballers. I find I spend too Who listens to the podcast? Oh, you're so polite. I wanted to roar. Now who's kissing ass? This is my podcast. Thank you. Well, what I like to do is I just like to pluck random people out. And 
One of the names I'm going to mention now that you played with at Blackpool is somebody who didn't play much for Swindon. He's about here for about five years, and that's Lee Collins. And Lee Collins. <laughs> Well, to sum him up, if you shrink Steve McMahon, he was an absolute <laughs> dead ringer to him. I was going to say, he was the quintessential Swindon Steve McMahon signing. Little, angry, and the further north the better, I think, would, would be the best way. So what was he like? As a, as a person, I was a player. Let's put those hands together, both please. As a player, he was okay. He was, in, he was, he was Scottish, wasn't he? Yeah. Angry Scottish man. Um, <laughs> loved the tackle. Yeah. In terms of his technical ability in the football, but he wasn't very good. Um, but yeah, he, he put himself about, he was wholehearted, trained properly every single day, tried to top match with his teammates, and then he took that until Saturday and tried to top the opposition. <laughs> okay, we've got going into semi-serious mode here as with the uh, questions that I've received but I mean this time last year you were preparing to become Swindon manager um, at that time things were pretty worrying I think at exactly the same point that we are now we were 17th on 21 points and the Swindon Town Facebook group were just you know, they were absolutely livid um, now a year on we're third on 30 points in the Facebook group are just mildly livid at the moment. Um, what I've really enjoyed about the last year is, the, is football with purpose. You know, you can see what you're doing, and when we are playing from the back, I can see you going crazy if they shouldn't be playing from, from the back as well. I've seen you like, what are you doing? Get up and all that. It's been really, really... I mean, would we agree that the difference since Wellens came in compared to previous is much, much better? Now who's kissing ass? <laughs> compared to what you've got planned up here and amongst the coaching staff, where are we on your big, big plan, big vision? I think the, game, the games where we went four, where we lost three and drew one, set us back a little bit but we had and I never like to make excuses but when you do pick up the injuries that we picked up it took us a little bit of time to recover especially the way that we want to play from the back and you say that I'm always screaming shouting to just get that isn't the plan when we are passing it around from the back we need to make sure that the people ahead of them are in the right position and we and we suffered a little bit from that as I would say the rest of the teams in this division will suffer at some point because they will lose players and they will pick up injuries. So we, we picked up a lot of injuries in a short space of time, but we've re recovered from that well. Um, and I think we're in a really good position. I think when we've got our starting 11, our strongest 11, I think we're the best team in the league. Um, and I think if we keep our, our team together and we keep up free from injuries now, I think we're in for a very good season. But the last thing that we want is to get to January and, and have to rip up the the script if you like and start again because that's the most difficult uh, thing to do. I think when we did come in last year we had a, a squad of 30 players and we looked at it and if I'm being honest I probably rated five out of the, and, three, and three of them was alone. So and, and, and we can sugarcoat it but we had to try and do a, probably too much in the summer. Um, but we needed to do it because we would have just been giving out new contracts to players that probably didn't deserve it and probably wouldn't have took us forward. So 
although it was tough and you don't want to make that many signings, I think coming into this January in a, a lot stronger position. How many plans do you have to formulate for January based on scenarios of, of being able to retain players and things like that? Well, I know where you're going with it. <laughs> I'm glad you do. And, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, we, we've seemed to be a, a, bit, a bit of a curse against us. We go for players and we, we're just there. We might miss out for a little bit of money or look at Aaron Connolly from Brighton. We was close to getting him. We was pushing and pushing. He's gone into Brighton's first team now and we can't get him no more. No, he's probably about another six or seven players. So you're constantly changing. We've got three or four targets. They go back into the parent club, do really well, get new contracts, or go on loan to a higher club. So we have to change it, rip it up, start again. When you work at League Two level, there's a stigma about players that don't really want to drop to this level. So I think the likes of Anthony Grant, Owen Doyle, Jerry Yates, I think our long players have been very good. And then to get the people like Isgrove and Bowdre, Rock Hunt, on the budget that is very similar to last season. Last season we had no assets. Our best players was probably Keshi Anderson, who was inconsistent. Steven Alzati was a long player. Lynn Wolfenden was a long player. And if you look at our current squad now, we've actually got, if things go right in the next six, eight months, we've actually got assets to the club that we can keep going forward and move on to League One. Because a lot of our players can play in League One. Always sell them on for, for big profit. Mm. Do you think the success of Alzate recently, and to, to be fair, Wolfenden as well, because he's walked into the Ipswich team since. Do you think now that we can sell Swindon to those unsure teams and players that League Two football is beneficial for their for their up and coming players? Well, that's that's what we try and sell. I mean, if, if you watch us, and, and sometimes players and, and agents are quite ignorant. They don't do the homework. They don't they don't watch the team that they're going to put the player into. Um, so we try and say, sell the style that we are, we're trying to produce, and we obviously use Alzati and Wolfenden as examples. If you'd have told me that Alzati would be playing wing-back in the Premier League, I would never have believed you. Wolfenden, I think, can be a really good player, so I expect him to go back to the and play. But it's great for us because, obviously, people talk, and I think that when players, uh, for example... So when, when, when players are going back, they're obviously speaking to the colleagues and the fellow professionals, and word gets around that, Actually, we're good. We work well with young players. We make them better, um, and then we go back to the clubs if they are going back a, a lot better player and get a new contract and get in their first team. So that's what helps us because actually players and, and agents are speaking about us and, and saying that we're doing a good job and and, and swimming being attractive players to put their uh, attractive place to put their players. Lovely, thank you. Um, a few questions from the audience that are here today. Um, this is from Luke and Clive. We're Stroud-based and wondering if a local lad, Ralph Graham, sorry, is your, in your plans going forward. And, you know, we can extend that to Luke Haynes as well, who's had a really good first half of the season at Chippenham. Well, Luke will be in our plans going forward because we now know that he's too good for Chippenham. He's, he's, he's played really well, so what we'll try and do is move him up a level. Um, Ralph has been on the and he's been unsuccessful, so that again gives us a gauge where he's at. Um, Ralph will not be in the, in the squad for the foreseeable future, but Luke Hain, we will look to get him a higher division alone, and then we'll look to try and integrate him in the squad past January. Thank you. This one's from Dan. 
How much extra budget is power giving you for January? <laughs> well, I think the, the good thing is, when you're a manager and you ask chairman for money, the chairman doesn't want to give managers money just for the sake of it. He actually wants to see something at the end of it. So, so we had a lot of arguments, a lot of discussions over the summer. One of his grow oh, well, he's been injured. Well, okay, but we need to take what we can't do is buy quality players who play every week and have got nothing against them because we simply can't afford them. If his grow is fit and he's got 200 games in his career and he plays 40 games week uh, every season. He's playing the championship and it costs you ten thousand a week plus. So we can't get boundaries the same. So we've got probably a tiny little bit extra on last year's budget, but for a lot more quality. Lovely, thank you. That is a mad League One. We'll give you a break now, we'll move over to Noel. <laughs> <laughs> No, this, this is a question that I, I received. Do you get any weird looks from Reading fans when they see you in your Swindon tracksuit around Berkshire? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the reason... Because I used to work in... I used to work in retail in Durham, and that's where the Sunderland players... When Sunderland were good, I used to get the, the Sunderland players coming all the time, so Roy Keane, you know, Kevin Jones, all those. And what it used to be is they would be looking around the DVDs and what have you, and then you look ten feet over there, and there would be these people just just following every move. Once we had to usher two players out through the ex fire exit just to because they were getting mobbed around Christmas. Are they forgiving you at the moment? I'm not really bothered to be honest. Uh, Correct. <laughs> to be fair, uh, on a Friday morning sometimes because we've got to go past. That way, um, the bus comes and picks me up, and I'm sitting in Costa in your tracksuit, uh, and you get a few strange looks, yeah. Giving it the bigger. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about your Swindon things, because as I've said, I love talking about big leagues. Through this podcast, I've managed to talk about three of the biggest names in football Maradona, Messi, and Alan John. And I also like. <laughs> I also like hearing about like the players he played along with like Lee Collins a minute ago with, with Richie. Um, you were managed by David Hay, and some of the younger fans here won't know who David Hay is, but he was our assistant manager when we were in the Premier League. Um, so my first question was, what was it like playing for David? Wow, that's gone back years, isn't it? Well, um, remember I'm showing that many two for those. <laughs> That's why you asked those questions. Yeah. Um, that was a time in my career, I was like on Fermi um, at the time, and the manager at the time, they had just left. Um, and I think it was pretty safe to say back then, I was, I was, I was a big Catholic boy, and coming over, I had been sent off a couple of times against Rangers and stuff, and um, I, I loved that side of it, I didn't care. And, we saw David Hay, obviously, was the manager of Celtic as well, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, and his number two was a, a guy called Billy Corporate, who was a, a range, ex-Rangers player. And uh, yeah, he made my life hell. Um, so my time with David Hay wasn't great, because I was in the fight with Billy Corporate a lot of the time. As a young 21-year-old, um, just didn't see eye to eye. Like, so I think David got caught between me and him for, for a bit. I think that I told him where to shove it, kind of. And that was it. Hello. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shut it. That's fine. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I've recently done a couple of episodes with a former player called Callum Kennedy, 
and he had a few stories about someone that you played alongside, Sean Morrison. Mm. Uh, <laughs> the floor is yours to anecdote away about one of the uh, oddest personalities behind the scenes. I'm probably one of the greatest, I'd say, in terms of team, team, uh, team bonding, team morale. Morrow is one of the best, one of the best kids that I've, I've ever been in addition with. I still haven't forgiven him for uh, taking my car and hiding it for three days. <laughs> in the year, in the year we went, went about seven or eight, around was 18, 17, unbeaten. Um, I, I, I kind of found out that Sean Morrison had uh, had took my car and hid uh, on the back of the training ground and lost it for three days. Um, I, I then thought it was before that was Alice McCarthy, so I ended up hiring a midget to strap herself to him for 24 hours. <laughs> um, uh, and I thought it was I thought it was him, but I was about wrong, so Sean sure thought it was great. Yeah. Sean Morrison, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I received the question quite late on, actually, from a Mr. Brian Howard, who has a question for you, Noel, and that was. What suit did you get for his housewarming party? <laughs> oh my god. Um, so, I've been with Mrs. for six months, my, my wife now, and uh, my wife and, and, and Brian's wife was, uh, was quite pally, so they bought a new house down near Southampton and they, and they had a housewarming party, so they asked, uh, today was not dressed up in suits, and I, I didn't have a suit, I didn't wear suits. Um, so my missus was on to me all day, you gotta go buy a suit, you gotta go buy a suit and she was like she kinda of felt the pressure so me being kind of in denial that I was in a relationship at the time, <laughs> um I was I ended up crack cracking and saying, I'll buy a suit, I'll get a suit, I promise I'll have a suit. So uh, my wife was there and doing all the, the decorations that day and I turned up, I think it was half Stephen to be honest. And a pirate suit on. <laughs> so I, I turned up in a pirate suit. Everyone's dressed in full three piece suits, and I've got a pirate suit on. And patch on my eye. <laughs> so I was kind of, I was trying to make it, trying to make it where she couldn't tell me what to do, but I ended up looking like a bit of a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. international clearance is very hard to get through, isn't it? Um, 
That's that's a really sharp from like playing, scoring, and then that's it. That that's pretty. That's a pretty dramatic sort of conclusion, isn't it? Was was that the plan, or was it like the plan was to coach, and the opportunity came, and then goodbye playing? How have you found the transition? Um, yeah, it was something. It was something like that. To be, to be fair, I finished with Wigan in the in the May, um, and to be fair to Cookie, offered me another year to stay, um, but I felt there wasn't the right thing to do. And, we had a chat, and just by pure chance, uh, the, the team in Ireland came up because a friend of mine uh, was the manager of a club, and he got he got um, jumped on one night, so he was ill for eight nine nine weeks um, in hospital and stuff. So I think I was the only one that had an A license at that time. That could have gone back and done the job, and then when it came to the first of July, I could play as well for the last eight ten games. Um, it, it was my home my home club. So I thought, you know what, I've been doing bits and pieces on the side before that for the last say, six or seven years on and off, but obviously the playing was a bit difficult. So it gave me a great insight into, the, into that side of the game for, say, six weeks. Um, and then for the last, say, ten weeks, I played as well. Like, yeah, and then I ended up scoring the goal to get my own my home club back into Europe for the first time in 40-odd years. So I thought, well, fair play, I'll take that. But then, bear in mind, my wife and my kids were over here. So I was flying over and back every weekend um, to them from work. My wife was heavily pregnant at the time, so yeah. um, it ended up being a bit of a graph, but it was worth it in the end. I came back and I said, right, I'm going to stay in England now and see what happens, and then it just popped up. Do you think football fans forget about that sort of sacrifice? So Richie lives in, in Swindon, but his family are up north. You've been in Ireland and your family have been in England. Millwall's played pretty much everywhere, so um, <laughs> I imagine you know it. And do you think football fans could get that sort of? I mean, people say, "Well, they're on X amount of money a week, blah blah blah." But do you think that's one of the forgotten things about footballers' lives, where it's not like you just move to a, you move to Grimsby, buy a house, two years later you move to the next place, buy a house, and so forth? Do you think that's one of those things that need to be considered more about footballers who are moving up and down the country? I think. I think you say about the X amount of money and stuff, and that's the narrow scope of the top end, you know, where these boys in maybe the Premier League the Championship are getting this money, but now boys are on League 1, League 2. Um, it can be very difficult for them if they're on, they can be on between anywhere between 250 a week to, say, 1500 quid, whatever it is. Um, and yeah, it is difficult to move away from your family and your friends, and you've got to make so many sacrifices, and for a lot of the boys, it, in the long term, it's probably not worth it. Because got, you've got nothing to fall back on, you won't have made enough money to, to retire. So it's it's one of them ones where you do it for purely the love of the game. Um, I think that's for probably, I'd say, 99.9% of footballers, that's what it is, the love of the game. It's not about the money, you know? Cool. Rossi, Tardelli, Platini, Laudra, Mateus, Ravinelli, Klinsman, The Baggios, Scalacci, Batistuta, De Canio, Nohunt. You were all managed by who? Thanks, Richie. You <laughs> <laughs> said Tardelli. Tardelli was in Tardelli was in number two, so Marco was there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, you were managed by Trapattoni, which you know all we're, we're the same age bracket, believe it or not. I know it looks so youthful and so forth, but we're, we're not too far apart. So Italian football was huge, but I don't know what it was like in, in Waterford when you were growing up, but in England, you know, Channel Four and, and things like that. Italian football was massive, and you played your three caps for Ireland under Trapattoni. So, 
in my always hunt to get anecdotes about like such big names, I need to know what was Trapattoni like when you were playing for him. He was a very, very inspirational man. If I'm being honest, he, you know, uh, he was he was seventy on the St. Patrick's Day that we were there, um, and it's a normal day. We warm up and we're all doing you know the yes and see stuff, and you're going through the letters, and he's beside you. He's doing the, the quick feet ladder at 70 years old, like, and he doesn't look at a place, you know. He was so enthusiastic, he was so, he was so, um, you know, what's the wrong one for? Not that enthusiastic. But he was so, you were so drawn to him, you know, everything that he, that he said, even though his English was broken, you'd, you'd hand in every word he said because it meant so much to me, he was so passionate, you know, and he made you care about what your job was. and. I'm not saying it was the most enjoyable footballer I've played in the internationals because he was so structured and so disciplined on, on you know, tracking back, doubling up. So a lot of the, the sessions were all about repetition of, of running without the ball. You know, running without the ball, even if there wasn't a ball there, you'd run just into their positions and you'd stop and you'd move again. Um, but the boys loved him. And what he'd done for us, he was great, you know, and I was, I was glad the way he'd end the firm with us because I thought it was fantastic. He gave me 30 minutes against a pretty decent Italy side. Can you remember the centre-backs that day? Carvalho. Yep. And then Felipe Mas. Who was that? Cacciolini? Yeah, exactly. Cacciolini. So, Cannavaro and Cacciolini. How did that work for you? Well, in my eyes, I scored in that game. Did you? Yeah. But did you really? Yeah, we did. Did it count? No. You're listening to the Low Strangers podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Hey, 
Steve, you have been back since the summer of 2018 from that club. <laughs> you were away for what, 17 years? Yeah. How have you found it? Quite like the Swindon itself or the, the club. I mean, this, like Hunt was saying, I spent a long time away. I left at 22 and six, 15 years. I lived away from family and things like that. So it was. It was nice to come back when I had the opportunity to come back. Obviously, I came back when I moved to Bristol Rovers because it was it was nice to be able to come back. I'd started a new family, so it fell into place, you know, at the back end of my career. Um, but to come back here, uh, it's one of those things you never you hope one day it happens. I hoped one day when I was playing that it would happen. It nearly, nearly did when Danny Wilson was here, um, but couldn't quite get it over the line because of the chairman of a former club who's. Uh, um, <laughs> we're going to need a name. I can't because he's still the chairman at this club <laughs> and he's still an arse. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, when it, when it transpired, I finished playing and, and, and did the 23s at, at uh, Bristol Rovers, you, the opportunity came up and it was something like, you know, when I had the interview and, and was offered it, it was one of those things I'd kick myself again if I never had the chance to come back. Well, I must say, I've, I've watched a fair few pre-match warm-ups, and you have a wonderfully potty mouth. <laughs> it's not just in the warm-ups, don't worry about that. <laughs> I'm worried. How's <coughs> Stephen coping with that? Oh, yeah, no, I'm teaching him plenty of words uh, that he can take back to Germany with. I think there was something in the pre-season where there's a clip of you, and you clearly don't know the sounds on, and you're like, where from, whereabouts from Germany are you from? Nah, I don't mean that. I went to this place just when yeah. I was a kid. I was twinned with him when I was a kid. <laughs> when I <was> yeah. <laughs> Let's get nostalgic then. So, you made your Swindon debut in 1995 in the Coca-Cola Cup against Cambridge. So long ago, Luke Nyholt played, playing, yeah. Yeah, which was his last game for the club. And then, you know, we lost that game, but it didn't matter. It was like your pen in my way. Yeah, I remember. I remember so, well, you were about 14 at the time, yeah, I think, wasn't you? 17, I think it was And you did the, the glorious yeah. <laughs> reaction. But you kept a clean sheet in the, in the second leg. Yeah, Joey Beecham scored too. Joey Beecham. And no, it was a super Kevin Horlock. But speaking of Joey, let's talk about Joey. So, so we say boo. <laughs> So, approximately how much did Joey hate playing the Swindon at that point? I think he played football all the other He loved dogs, but... <laughs> um, obviously, I was a very young lad and didn't have a, you know, a great deal to do with him all the time because that game, I think we had Shea given on loan that year and he couldn't play in the cup. Um, I think... Was it Frank and Fraser as well at the time? Or I Mike think Frank wasn't just there. Frank, it was just Fraser was... Fraser was injured at the time, so obviously... Um, I got thrust in, I was still a trainee at the time and played the game and um, so yeah I didn't get too much to do with Joey, obviously <clears throat> I was very pleased that he scored the, I think he scored the winner though on that night, didn't he? Didn't he get the second goal? No, was it Kev? It was a long time ago, come on, I'm getting old now. Um, but <clears throat> no, I didn't have a great deal to, to, to do with him and then he, not long after that season he left really, so um, you know, he probably got off lightly being an Oxford boy playing for something. <laughs> I thought he was really good, but I was a kid at the time, so I didn't really realise the hatred that people had for him. <laughs> um, then you had to wait like over a year for your next game, 
which is as a substitute against Tramia. What was what was unusual about your league debut? <laughs> Somehow I came on up front. Yeah, let's get the clip. There it is. He did not score a goal. But here he is, number 13. That's as, that's as good as it gets because it's the mid-90s. Start that again, please. Here we go. Here he is, number 13. What are you doing there? <laughs> I don't know what I was doing. I, that time Steve, I think Steve McMahon went, go on up top in between... And he went got top and just be a nuisance. And I thought That's I was not top though. Well, because I thought I was clever and I thought I was you know preemptive. I was dropping dropping in the hole like number ten. I was obviously years years ahead of the curve. But all I, I think I touched the ball once, twice. All I remember is running on, and it was as you can see a very cold Friday night at Brentham Park. They, Dave Chandler was a centre-half and he just went to me, for God's sake, I know you're a keeper, don't stand on my toes. <laughs> I, I love the fact that Steve McMahon was on the bench, he so was, he, yeah. he could have come on and go and fancied it. But... I think it was one of those, it was one of those tactical ploys, I think. Um, I think Kev Watson yeah. came, came off, off, but he put Kev off, did he put Kev on? No, he came, on? I, I well, I came on for Kev, but it was one of them, yeah, McMahon was still on the bench, but I think it was one of those types of uh, times where it was, you know, to the chairman at that time was, I need a bit of money because we're putting a 17-year-old kid or 18-year-old kid who's a goalkeeper on up front. I think we, I came on 1-0 down and we lost 2-1. So. Oh, boy. Look at that. <laughs> the next 20 minutes are just watching this clip. <laughs> we're ahead of schedule. No, because there was your full league debut, wasn't there, Steve? Mm. But just for the record, if there's anyone young in here, please cover your ears. I still got two. <laughs> <laughs> for those who don't know, um, so Friday night, live on Sky Sports. Roll the clip. Perfect. Yeah, I'll never forget. Any, yeah, any blast the ball off the head, look. <laughs> Hole in my testicles, no. <laughs> what you can hear, there is sound, but you know the glory of uh, doing this is the sound isn't working. Um, we'll try and get it up and running, but at this point, Alan Brazil, the co-commentator, is pretty much. Watch, watch, I edit. I cut it off. I edit. Yeah. So Alan Brazil at this point is essentially mocking you. Yeah. <laughs> during during the live transmission of this. Alan Brazil is urging Portsmouth to just cross it in. Yeah. <laughs> just cross it in. And then they're talking about family. Ah, oh, there it is. Oh. It hurt like hell. <laughs> there we go. And then here it goes. Then we got that. So he's hurt, he's hurt. There we go. <laughs> Textbook. <clears throat> Deary me. How many stitches? Eight. Yeah, it was very funny. <laughs> very funny, thanks ever so much. And not till the end of the game either. No, uh, of course we do have the post-match, but the sound isn't on. And I mean, it's either your age or the condition, but it's quite squeaky, the voice, isn't it? It was a bit <laughs> It was, yeah, it was not fun, to be fair. I remember they had to stitch me up after in the physio room at Fratton Park, and it's right next to the 
obviously the whole minute. And uh, cheers, keep showing it, it's alright. <laughs> and David Hillier was uh, David Hillier was in their squad, and the, he, as I, as he, they all came in, our lads had come in laughing, their lads had come in laughing. And um, the, doc, the doc goes to me, uh, sorry kid, there's no point giving you an anaesthetic because that'll hurt just as much. So I got two people, one holding one leg open, one holding the other leg open, with the doc about threading this needle. And David Elliott goes, hang on a sec doc, I've got a camcorder in the car, I've got to record this. <laughs> and I'm literally just going, have I still got testicles? <laughs> Chris Hay looking like a extra from Train Spotting. Um, we went top of the old yeah, first division. Yeah. There's old Chris. Yeah. So, ouch. Yeah. Put it under. Very much. <laughs> so you know, you, your first teammate, really, because you were going going through the ranks, was of course Fraser Digby. I can't think of a better sort of. Tutor, mentor, man amongst men, dreamy eyes. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, you just talk about Fraser and Wild. He looked into my soldier and the whole testicle thing, and it was, it was that's therapy again for me. Um, you know, how beneficial was it for you as a, as a, a youngster coming through with, with arguably the, the greatest goalkeeper this, this club has ever had? Not much, because Fraser was last in and first out. <laughs> no, it was brilliant, obviously, as a kid growing up. Um, I'd obviously been a season ticket holder before. Um, like many in the room, sat, you know, sat through the Premier League year. So to then join the season after um, and to be working with him from time to time, it was brilliant, to be fair. I mean, things were a lot different back in the day then. We didn't have full-time goalkeeping coaches. I mean... You had a goalkeeper coach maybe turn up once a week. It was a former keeper that went around the blocks because it wasn't at that time a thing. So he used to try and pick little bits and bobs up. Um, but you know, as a bloke, I got a lot of time for Fraser still now. He's a, he's a top top. You know, he's just pure. That's what I imagine. Mm. And then there was of, of course Frank as well. <laughs> Go on. No, 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 no. Yeah. 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 No, I haven't seen Frankie in a long time. I don't know if he's still out in uh, High Wycombe somewhere or not. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was alright. He was good. He was good for Frankie. He had very good banter, Frank. He was in typical Aussie. He was very bouncy, you know, life and soul of the party. And, uh, you know, there's, um, I had some good times with him. He, um, he taught me some things. Um, probably not good things, but taught me some things. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not that right. <laughs> okay. okay. You signed a deal and then left very, very quickly. One hour. One hour. Was that was that just like a little technical thing, or was? Um, no, I mean at the time <clears throat> I was obviously you know a kid still, and I couldn't leave on a free. Um, we were trying to get a contract sorted. It, you know, what it was like at that age. At that age, I was I was twenty twenty two. So, you know, impre not impressionable, but you, you're relying on people in the game, agents, things like that. And um, I, I was being told to sort of wait, 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 wait. I got sick of it, you know, 
God rest his soul, Andy King was a gaffer at the time. I rang him up one day and said, look, King, you know, at the end of the day, I just want to get on a bit and play. So I walked in here, I signed my deal. He was on the golf course that day when I rang him. <laughs> he was like, brilliant kid, can't wait for pre-season to start. I go back, I was still living with my parents in Rockport, I go back on. I think that's it for, I think I signed a two or three year deal. I thought that was it, I can crack on. Um, and the phone calls, the phone rings hour and a half later, it's my agent saying the club's accepted a fee and sold you. So I was like, fair dues in, has anyone told King? I don't think he knew about it. I mean, you know, the chairman at that, the, the owners at that time were probably well documented, the owners at that time. So I presume they just looked at it and thought, you know, I was a kid who come through the academy and they could get a bit of money for me. And um, Yeah, very surreal. So literally the next morning I'm driving up to Nottingham and that was it, done and dusted, I'd left. And then you played against Swindon quite a few times, didn't you? Yeah, got hammered every time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got a clip. We're gonna roll the line. Uh, we're gonna roll the line. Where Kasky kills me. And he won it. one game, and that that was on TV. It was the one now against Yeovil when the best holdings were coming in, and I think that's the one I wanted to win the most. Is it there? Have you got it? Yeah, that was the year we got beaten. Yeah, not County home. Not County home. There we go. It's uh, the reason we play this clip. It's just fun how. Progressively angry you get after every goal. This was the first game back. This was my very, very first game back. My five nil. Was it five nil we got beat? Yeah. Yeah. First game back. Oh, Should yeah. I save that one? <laughs> no. <laughs> Look at that. Lovely. Oh, keepers. Should I save that one? No. <laughs> Obviously, the centre asshole. <laughs> Save that one? No chance. I mean, look at the market. No one's close to him. No one's even closing him down. What? <laughs> yeah, cheers. Bring back some nightmares. You're welcome. Keepers? Oh, good market. Oh, where's he going? <laughs> <laughs> Who said, where's he going? <laughs> <laughs> you can shut up, right? David Duke scoring, yeah, it was Dukesy, yeah, yeah. Have you let David Duke score? I know, I know. I know, don't be like that. I'm David Duke. Right. It's all about this. It's clearly a one on one, what am I going to do? Who's carrying the team that day? <laughs> no, that was a very, very bad homecoming for me, literally, after leaving and then getting that stuff to 5 0. So, yeah, final score, Swindon 5, North County 0. Lovely. And I tore a, I popped my thumb that, that game as well, so. Aww. It was a lovely weekend. Thank you. I did give you five goals though, come on. You really took my mocking of you down. I knew it was coming. Now I feel bad. Okay, now we're going to finish with a quiz for you three guys to see just how much you know your employers. So, they're multiple choice questions. What was that? I heard something. What was it? Non-repeatable. So, I'm going to ask you five questions about Swindon Town Football Club. Do not call it out, no matter how tempted you are. And you need to just put A, B, or C. How are you feeling? So, question one. Swindon Town were formed in which year? Was it A, 1878, B, 1879, or C, 1880? A, B, or C? 
You ready? So Steve, what have you done? Going for B. 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 C. The answer was? B. And the answer is just behind you. <laughs> Richie, Richie, just behind you. Don't come in tomorrow. Go figure. Question two. Who was the manager when Swindon Town won the League Cup in 1969? Was it A, oh my God. Danny Williams, B, Bert Head, or C, Fred Ford? All right. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. So what have we got here? Steve has got A, B, and Second question. Second question, mate. It actually says bar. <laughs> it's A. The answer is A. Of course it is. Question three. Club legend Fraser Digby signed for Swindon from which club? Today, Manchester City. B. Manchester United. Or C. Liverpool. B, B, Bab. The answer is B, Manchester United. Four. Who became the first Winter Town player to represent the club at a World Cup finals? Was it A, Alan McLaughlin, B, Jimmy Quinn, or C, Paul Bowden? I love the, the, the hum noise. Oh, what could that be? Gone B. <laughs> B and A. What was the answer? It's Alan McLaughlin, A. He didn't go to 86. He did not go to 86. There you go. Well, if he did, he wasn't a Swindon player. I meant Al Mac. I wrote the wrong way. Dyslexic. And the final question. We have some closing. Is which 90s town legend had a repetitive chant that started with the word ooh? Was it. Was it. Ooh, Craig Maskell? You're not helping. Was it B, ooh, John Moncur? Or was it C, ooh? They may be, you know, bluffing. Because, you know, these guys are. These guys. What have you got? Nothing. He's refusing. Sean Taylor. Sean Taylor. Rebel. Rebel. It was, of course. A man who could leave for Bristol City and still be loved. Unbelievable. Okay, let's close with a couple of questions. And then we can move forward. So there's a question here. Any of you can answer it. Who gets to choose the music played in the changing room? And what are their personal favourite artists? And so what is this live and kicking, guys? <laughs> like a programme in the 90s. Who chooses the music? Um, it was a bit... It wasn't nice for a little while. So I don't know whose music was on, but what we've done was we got everybody to pick two songs. Mm -hmm put it on a playlist and go to random, so 
Are y'all gonna listen to a certain song? Who's got the worst taste? I think it's Keshi. <laughs> Keshi, yeah, that's what I saw there. Barry Manilow? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, from the three of you, who harks back to their playing career the most? Mildy was on a bit of goal he scored. Oh, yeah. Well, it wasn't for Swindon, so we don't care. <laughs> and he's testing it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's debut up front. <laughs> so it's probably Mildy. The final question is for Richie. Says okay. the man that literally shows everyone his phone everything. Man. Look, there's another goal I scored. Remember that one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a goal that was! <laughs> it's not my fault they come up on Twitter just a, you know, a day back in 2007 or 2009. Oh, you've got one, one day a year. I get the feeling knows like Romario and Pele who counts goals they scored in the, against the garages in 1992. As I count goals in training. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah. Of course you do. Richie, you've got the final question. Who's better, Klopp or Pep? Pep. Oh. Oh. A round of applause. That is everything I've got. So thank you so much for taking part. Let's hear it for Steve Milnholm. Strangers is proudly sponsored by the official STFC Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork is provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.